When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Barca Talk podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, in the Spanish capital. In today's show, we review last night's Valencia match, where Barca showed some bright play as they beat Valencia 3-1. In today's episode, I speak with Craig McGuff as we speak Ansu, Sergio Roberto, and the week that's coming up with Champions League group stage and obviously the Classico. Before we get into the match, just wanted to speak about VAR. Again, last night's penalty, where Ansu created the penalty, was an amazing run by Ansu. Obviously, having him back has definitely brought joy back to the Camp Nou. But again, there was another controversy because the ref did not look at VAR. Now, I don't know, many of you may know or may not know that I'm from San Francisco Bay Area and I'm a huge Giants fan. And over the weekend, well, actually Thursday, I think, the Giants lost to the Dodgers and were eliminated in the baseball playoffs on a very controversial call. In that, the play was not reviewable. And the Giants were eliminated after winning 107 games, right? So it's one thing if we're talking La Liga VAR where it's a moment here, but when you get eliminated from the playoffs when a play cannot be reviewed, I have a big problem with that. I just don't understand why some plays are reviewable and not not others. I believe all plays should be reviewable. I mean, why not? You have the replay. It should be, you should be able to look at it. And what happened was in the baseball match or in the baseball game, the player did a check swing. It didn't go all the way through. Went to the first base umpire. He called him out. Series over. And, of course, the Giants tried to get it reviewed. It was unreviewable. In last night's match, the referee did not review the play. Now, he's saying that he was right there in the moment. And, obviously, in real time, it looked like a penalty. But after review, you saw that the Valencia player got to the ball first. And, obviously, the collision of the action with Ansu looked like a clear penalty in real time. So there's just one of these things is like... You know, in real time, what did the referee see? What was the moment? And obviously in, in VAR, if you see the replay, it looks a little bit ambiguous. I want to put some of the decision-making of VAR back to the teams because, again, when they do the interviews after the match, especially in last night's match, they interviewed Gaia from Valencia and they ask him, why wasn't the play reviewed under VAR? And it's like, he has no idea because the referee didn't give an explanation. I just want accountability, especially when we have all this technology for VAR. So here's kind of my things that I would do to make VAR just an easier, not easier, more accountable, so there'd be less polemica, and obviously getting the calls right. I mean, that's really what we want. If we're going to use VAR, let's use VAR, but let, let's not do it 50%. So number one, 
there needs to be a time limit, right? A two-minute time limit, counter, just watch replay two minutes or less. Yeah, done. The next thing, I think this is super important. Each team should be allowed one replay, like in the NFL. Throw the flag, you get that one moment to take a look at the replay, and the referee has to look at the VAR. That's it, done. That will help alleviate any of this controversy that always happens at the end of matches where people think La Liga's rigged, uh, especially when it comes to playing the Classico with Madrid and them getting more penalties than other teams. This gives each team one chance to get a call reviewed, and I think that would be huge. The next thing, and this is massive, every play is reviewable under VAR. doesn't matter. Throw in, free kick, foul, whatever. As long as the team has their one review available, they can throw the flag, it gets reviewed. Now, this brings me to the other thing. The VAR refs need to help the ref. They need to see the replay. They have the opportunity to see the replay and to buzz the ref to make the call. It's this weird idea here that the VAR refs are showing up the referee by buzzing him. I don't understand this, this mentality. It's so weird. The VAR ref sees something that the ref on the field can't see. He should buzz and say, take a look at this. Again, with a two-minute time limit, I don't think there's going to be that many stops in time. Now, I'm talking major moments, right? I'm not talking like every little play here and there. It's a collaboration. The VAR refs need to work together with the ref, get the call right. We have VAR. We have this technology. We, we're able to see offside within two centimeters of the line, right? So let's make use of all this technology and make the correct calls. With these changes... This will help give teams more control of VAR and hopefully lead to more correct calls, less polemica, and everyone's a bit happier with the end result. Before I get to my chat with Craig, just wanted to do a quick Barca Talk announcement. Uh, we made a huge improvement to the website. Go to barsatalk.net. Now you can follow the show on your favorite podcast app. You can leave a voicemail for the show, and I will try to play it as often as I can if you have some good takes. You can read past reviews, and you can also leave a review for the show. You can also sign up for the weekly newsletter there. It looks great on mobile. It's super fast. And obviously, you can sign up for our Patreon community, all there in one spot. So take a look. Visit the website. I really look forward to having more interaction with the fans, especially with the voice note option. I think that's really cool. And really soon we're going to be adding a merch shop so we can have more uh, products, uh, Barca Talk products that you can buy to help support the podcast. Now, after the break, I speak to Craig about the joy Ansu brought to the Camp No last night. Well, as you know, I was in Barcelona last weekend and it was awesome to move around the city because it was the first time I've been out of kind of Madrid, Madrid, really, uh, since the pandemic. And it was really good to get out and to obviously visit the stadium. Unfortunately, I couldn't stay for the game because I had a prior engagement for Saturday night. But uh, what do you miss about Barcelona and the city uh, when you go to travel? Do you have like a certain spot you like to go, obviously, besides the stadium? But I mean, do you have like specific restaurants or specific sites you like to check out when you go visit Barcelona? Yeah, it's Park Well for me. I always say to people that Park Well is my it's my happy place. Um, it's just perfect that view from from up the top across the city. Like 
that that's when I know I'm on holiday. Obviously, because because Barcelona is a, is a city that we visit rather than rather than live in. Certainly, me and you. Sure. That's when it's like downtime, you know. Whereas the rest of the city, I love. Don't get me wrong. And the other thing, weirdly, I really really love seeing Senoras hanging from balconies. That's a real. I don't know if anyone's ever visited Scotland, but there's, when you, you kind of get over the border from England to Scotland and you start seeing mountains and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get this. I'm in Scotland now. That's that's my equivalent to Barcelona is uh, is Senoras hanging from hanging from balconies. What about you? Yeah, I think it's you know really the the just the outdoor seating. Uh, I hadn't seen that because I had re- heard reports in Barcelona there was still you know, uh, capacity restrictions and so forth. But what I saw, everything looked back to normal for the most part. And Mm -hmm. to me, that really showed me, you know, that Spain is kind of on the right track, obviously, because everywhere you go, there's just outdoor seating. But I would agree, Parkwell is definitely another site and also Sagrada Familia, because I didn't go this time inside of it. But when I was uh, recording with Mariana, I was was able to meet her in person finally, which was great. Uh, We recorded really near the Sagrada Familia. That's still just an awe-inspiring, just just monument and and you know point of interest in Barcelona. So seeing that as well, and it's coming together. Especially, I hadn't seen it in three years. So just mm-hmm, see the mm-hmm. progress that's been made is is pretty awesome. But let's let's get into the match last night. We had definitely some more positive vibes than we had in the in the last couple of weeks. And obviously, we got to start off with Ansu Fati. Mm. Ansu Fati gets the start, and you know, obviously with the early goal being allowed. But man, Ansu Fati. He definitely changes the direction, the, the arc of this team all of a sudden. And we have a complicated this week with Diamond Kiev in the Champions League and obviously in the Classico. But, mm. you know, man, those good feelings are coming back, especially when Ansu Fati starts. Yeah, it's, I've, I've always thought to myself, one of the signs of a great player is, is if you make players around you better. And he does, he, he does that for such a young kid, like, young kid, a bit harsh maybe, but, you know, for such a young player. Sure. Um, his ability to make, I mean, Memphis Depay looks like Memphis Depay when Fatty's near him. Memphis Depay looks like any other striker when Luke de Jong's near him. And that's not that's not Depay's fault. But Messi, uh, Messi I've done a Laporta there. That's a slip <laughs> of the tongue. Um, but yeah, Fatty has the same, he has the same quality Messi has, which is that his work makes others better. And he's exciting and defenders hate playing against him. And he's quick and he gets into spaces. And he's so exciting to watch. We're so lucky to have him. Yeah, last night he started he played 60 minutes and obviously scored the goal and created the penalty mm. uh, that Memphis obviously converted. But he, like you said, it's one of those things that maybe I, I always knew Ansu was good. But again, last night, I think maybe just reemphasize how really great he is, not just good. Right. Uh, the movement that he has, the touch, but also, like you said, making Memphis better, especially on that first goal, that kind of give and go where Memphis just laid it and the finish by Ansu Fati. Let me just give you a stat here. Uh, conversion rate for Ansu, 68 percent. Eleven of his last 16 shots have been goals. That's insane. Isn't that insane? That, if you that look at is, where he's shooting from as well, exactly. he's not he's not doing six yard tappings. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing, right? You you point it on the head. Not only is it obviously an amazing conversion number, but also just the angles, right? You're gonna have mm. more shots that may go wide and more shots that are gonna be blocked just because, especially when you come down the angle, you're trying to adjust, right? Especially in the early of the game, you're trying to see how you do it. But eleven and sixteen, that's incredible. What's Coutinho's? Because they shoot from similar places a lot of the time. Yeah, I can look that up. I can look that up. But again, it's not good. I I bet you it's probably in the twos, you know, something like that, right? (laughs) But again, I guess, you know, just like I have here in my doc, like the arc of the season is completely 
you know, on Andre's shoulders. Not only is it this season, but also with the contract renegotiation that's kind of hit a stalemate now, obviously. It really is showing how important it is because now Barca just has to focus on one thing on the defense, but now they're attacking, especially with Aguero coming. Uh, you know, he got some minutes last night. But again, Ansu's playmaking and his ability to hold the ball to me is is super vital to this team and its success this season. Without a doubt, like the, the best form of defense is attack, right? And I, I bang this drum all the time and listeners are probably sick of hearing me say it. But we've got, you know, if we've got questions in defense, right? Well, don't put them under pressure then. Let's keep the ball. Let's make it exciting. Let's score goals, which is, you know, so simplistic. But, um, but he gives us that. And I was quite... Skeptical is the wrong word. I was cautious. That's a better word. I was cautious last season about Fatty. I was like, let's wait and see. We've been here before so many times. I think you have to write that off now. I think we now we're now in the realms of Fatty is not just potential superstar. He's he's superstar in waiting. You know, he he he's taken the next step. I think a big classical and without going right to the end of the pod, a big classical really propels him into a, into a sphere that we probably we probably don't deserve to be in in terms of having someone of his quality with how badly ran we've the club's been. But he's just links everything together. Like, how how could you not love playing with him? And and as fans, when all we've been crying out for is just that we need to rebuild Fernando, but at least make it fun. He gives us all of that. He's so far ahead of his years. His link up play, his finishing, his pace. Like, I even see him work back. Like, he he grafts for his team. Like, I'm struggling. Other than the physical elements that he can't offset biologically. I struggle to see flaws within him. And even his intelligence is ahead of his years. He's, he's a superstar. He's already a superstar. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, I was on Twitter last night. People were clamoring, you know, uh, why doesn't Vinicius get the same kind of glory with this, you know, as Ansu was being praised last night. But that's that's really the big thing. If we look at Vinicius for Madrid and Ansu for Barcelona, the biggest difference is the conversion rate of Ansu, right, mm-hmm. I would say. And that, and that, and like you said, with the classical coming up, that's where legends are made, right? If Anzu has a great performance, and that's just going to elevate him even more. Like you said, I think, you know, whenever you see in any sport, right, a young protege or talent come out, mm-hmm. it's not only the physical gifts, it's the mental, right? It's the ability to have the IQ and the the seemingly experience of a veteran at such a young age, right? And I that yeah. you pointed out perfectly because Ansu, like he knows when he has to take a 1v1 or when to pass it off. And it just seems so seamless. Whereas yeah. younger players just make those mistakes of like always trying to do 1v1s, right? Trying yeah. to be the one. And, and last night you saw that Ansu is, you know, far, you know, ahead of his time, especially at his age. I mean, just think about like when I think about when I was playing, to have the experience of what I was at 28, at 18, right? Just knowing pace of play, moments mm-hmm, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Ansu just seems to have that figured out. Now, last night, Kuman went with a bit of a change last night with the formation. Uh, he went with the 4-3-3. But more importantly, he put Sergio Roberto right back and put Sergio Sergio Dest on the right wing. Obviously, people were clamoring on, on social media about how good Dest was playing. And I just obviously think he didn't have to worry about defense so he can just kind of take those 1v1. Some people have responded to me on Twitter. What do you think instead of putting Dest at right wing to put Demir and then put Minguesa at right back to solidify the defense? Would that make you feel better defensively having Minguesa or you still want Sergio Roberto on the lineup in some in some form? I think the question comes back to who we're playing, right? And I remember pre the last classical, me and you had a debate around, I'm sure it was the last classical, it was certainly a big game. And you're like, who do you play at right back? And I said, I play Sergio Roberto every day of the week, even though I know I think he's the worst player. And it was between him and Dest. 
And he said, why? And I said, because it's experience. It's about being in the big occasion. My concern with playing them two down a flank is that if they both, for whatever reason, capitulate to the pressure, which they very well might do, you've lost an entire side of the field there. I think you can put one in and not the other. So I think you could put Demir in front of Sergio Roberto. I think you can put Minguesa behind someone else. Sure. We're naturally, we're now getting the realms of behind who, right? Which I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think if you if you do it, there's lots of logic. But if you do it, what you can't have then is the Twitter warriors saying, "I can't believe that we've done this. Kuman's a fraud. How has he let these players get put under this much pressure?" Like, there's a massive risk there. It's potentially risk reward, and I think they're both individually players I really really like. But that's risky, and I think for me, I, I probably wouldn't be as as open to that as, as others. And I think. There's more mean there's more logic in putting Mingessa in there than there is Demir. And I, but I wouldn't do both. Yeah, it's a good point. I like I like what you said. I would go with Minguesa and then and then also Sergio Roberto at right wing. I think that, like you said, it's an interesting point to you do not want to give the right side. But I just think as we've seen again, an, another early goal I know was a, a Golasso mm-hmm. on a set play, this type of thing. But again, inside 10 minutes, you know, we're talking against Benfica, Granada, these type of trends where you have to solidify. And I just think Mingensa is just a better uh, defender on that right back. He, d- he doesn't have to go all the way up. And especially if you want Sergio Roberto to give you some more possession on that right side. And, you know, obviously he's not as dynamic, fast, yeah. you know, on the right as Dest. But I think, He's overall a better midfielder because one thing Dest, you know, he did have some good plays. As we just talked about Ansu having the veteran savvy, I think Dest still lacks that. A couple times when he should have pulled back, he goes forward. When he should have gone forward, he pulls back. So it's still trying to find the footing against this. I remember one time he had a heavy touch here. So it's like all these little things where I don't think Sergio Sergio Roberto does that. Now, especially with this big match coming at Diano Kiev. Do you, do you use the same lineup putting Dest? Do you think Kuman goes with the same lineup putting Dest up top and Sergio Roberto on the right back? Yeah, I think I think against Dynamo Kiev, I think you do because we should we should be able to beat them. So I think there's there's less risk there, and I think we, we should be in a position where we can if it's not working we can change it without any any drastic um, negatives. We're at home, it's a big pitch, you know we should be all right. So I think the Dynamo Kiev absolutely, but the classical it's slightly different. And, and on the Dest point, you you used a really good word there. You said you know we need someone who's more dynamic than Sergio Roberto, and I think that's a good point. My, my worry with Des is that it's not dynamism. It's actually he's quite erratic. Mm. And when that works, it's amazing. It's kind of like having a it's like having a Cocker Spaniel in the house. Like when they're fun, they're amazing. When they're not fun, they're just annoying. Like, you know, they just won't shut up and won't stay still. And I think that's kind of where Dest is. When it works, it's brilliant. When it doesn't, you really, really get found out. So I would against Kiev. I wouldn't against, uh, I wouldn't against Madrid. Yeah, it's a good point. And now, I mean, you can see just by having Ansu on the left side, now the team can just focus on, the, the right side, right? Which it just seems to be, I don't know, from for me from afar, it just looks like an easier fix where I'm just not as worried because now all of a sudden the other team has to worry about Ansu and Memphis because now all of a sudden Memphis becomes more lethal with the link up play with Ansu. Now let's talk about the midfield a little bit. Obviously, I think it was a better performance than they've had recently. Obviously, with Busquets coming back from international break, you know, usually the team. Uh, usually has a lull after international break. Last night mm-hmm. didn't seem like that. I really think it comes down to two things. I think Gavi being inserted into the starting eleven and becoming more of a uh, an important, impactful midfielder, but also that helps De Jong because there were some moments last night, Craig, where I saw the De Jong of Ajax where he was taking those long runs one v one, and yeah. the defense didn't know how to stop him. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And there was shades of, and and please don't twist this in terms of I'm not saying these players are like for like right because I'm aware how this might sound there were shades of Chavin and Iniesta for me last night in the sense of 
Iniesta would be so... Yeah, I'm going to use the same word again that you used. So dynamic and he would be back and forward making things happen. I think we saw that with De Jong yesterday. And for me, the thing that always struck me about watching Xavi play, that he was always in the right area, always doing something, always doing something that was often quite simple. I'm not saying that Xavi was a simple player because he would create passes and stuff that were mind-blowing. But, you know, Xavi was an incredible link player for us, always in and around the the area he needed to be. And I think we saw it yesterday in the sense of they played their, their requisite roles to perfection. And that just... We said this before, it frees Busquets up to not worry about trying to replicate bits of those two players that he just can't do. Going back to the, you know, Ansu will have faults and they're things he can't do much about. Busquets is not going to find a yard of pace from somewhere at this stage of his career. He's not going to make a lung-busting box-to-box. He's not going to be able to be in and around every bit of play that's going on, but now he doesn't have to. So I just think it looked a lot more controlled and structured. It looked, it, it almost looked like there was some thought put into it, which I'm giving <laughs> a bit too much credit for, but... You know, it just looked inherently sensible, which is a bizarre thing to say. But, you know, you looked at the midfield and you thought, yeah, it's working. It's working well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that the thing, too, I look at is maybe I'm more critical of this, but I just I still want to see more movement from De Jong finding those spaces because there's a couple of times in the first half. I mean, I, I noticed it in our WhatsApp group and stuff. I said I hadn't really looked at the clock that much in the first half because the flow of the game was much better, but there were still moments where I just don't see De Jong being active to go receive the ball. And I want to see a little bit more of that. Uh, but also with Gavi, like you said, just having the link up play for that. Maybe this is a partnership that now can unlock De Jong because as we always talked about, we want to see the De Jong of Ajax where he's taking yeah. these balls coast to coast on the counters and really putting the defense on the back foot. Let me give you some stats for Gavi last night, 72 minutes played. Obviously he may have just kind of, um, Got a little tired because he was on international mm-hmm. break. Obviously, 91 pass accuracy, which is awesome. And then obviously, 56% uh, successful plays. And again, he the only thing I have here in my notes is there isn't a yellow card he doesn't like, right? So he's had a bunch of yellow cards already to his early career. The next one in La Liga, he'll have a suspension. So he has to be careful with that in the Clasico. But again, as we've always talked about at the beginning of the season, these players from La Masia are so important to bridge the gap. I mean, we're seeing with Gabi, with Nico, Demir. Mingesa, Araujo, all these players, you know, and I love it. It gets me excited to watch yeah. these matches, especially last night. Yeah, 100%. And I think on the yellow cards, there's good and bad yellow cards, isn't there? You, you know that you've played. You know, and yeah. Busquets was a, master at, was a master at the good yellow card where it was a case of the reason that we could have players play so high up and press so much was because if it got to the point where we get overrun, Busquets would just scythe someone down and pull a pull a shirt or whatever. And I, my my gut feeling, I don't get me wrong, I've not gone back and researched all of these yellow cards, but my <laughs> gut feeling is that that's the yellow cards that Gabby's taken. It's the ones where it's like, you can let that player go past you, but then you're putting your ageing centre-half in PK under a bit of pressure, so just take it. And if that's what he builds his career on, it, done, it, it didn't do any harm for Sergio Busquets. He actually freed up a lot of players. Then there's bad yellow cards, the Danny Alves of the world, who would just, you know, get a yellow card for throwing a ball down because a throwing went against you and you just don't understand it. So I think Gavi, in my mind, is that doesn't concern me. Uh, I think some of them are sort of quote-unquote professional yellow cards. Um, yeah, the legs, the legs thing, we need to make sure we protect these players. But I'm with you. Like, if we look at the youngsters that we've had to unearth this season, there's so much interest from me about what these guys are going to go on to. And, you know, the fact that we've lost Elijah Mariva and I've barely given it a second's thought. Yeah. It just shows what these guys that have come in uh, have done. And I think it's a big if. If they can go and perform at the weekend, the springboard that gives us for this season is amazing. And, you know, Laporte is saying all the right things. We have to invest in La Masia. Yeah, of course we do. 
it feels like they are actually putting their money where their mouth is in that sense though yeah that's that's a good point and like you said that's you know especially if we were looking before the international break it was kind of doom and gloom a little bit you know not a little bit but a lot of just mm. the performance uh trying to get out of champions league group stage you know it was kind of and now i look at the team especially it all just goes around ansu fati it you know he changes everything about this team because now we're not all dependent on Depay, and we don't have to use luke de young Right, we don't have to yeah. do seventy crosses and all these things. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a chain reaction to all these things, but again, it's a revelation to that Kuman is using Gavi and Nico as much as he is, as we've been clamoring for him to do that. Last things, last couple of things before we we end here. Another early goal. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. I don't think PK had his best match. Alba still worries me about. Um, sometimes he just looks disinterested. You know, there's moments where the way he. He, he looks like he's playing Sunday rec league sometimes when he's trying to clear the ball out of the box. It's just kind of like, what? And yeah. I don't know if it's just attitude of the defensive back line. And again, it just frustrates me because it's such, just go back to basics type of thing where they're just not doing it. If anything, especially this week is very complicated with Kiev and, and Madrid, they cannot allow or concede an early goal again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's a difficult one because in my head, which is clearly not reality, right? But in my <laughs> head, it's like the, if you're if you're if you're a defender, the, we used. To, I mean, when I was playing, we used to all. It was the first ten minutes. Keep it tight. Just keep it tight. Just be sensible. Be be in be in position. Keep your line level. Make sure that we're we're controlled. And the goals that we give away just seem to be completely avoidable. They're not. We're not conceding 30-yard wonder strikes. We're conceding sloppy goals, often from set pieces. And that that has to be that has to be stemming from what's happening in the dressing room before we go out. It has to be either a lack of motivation, it has to be mixed messages, or it has to be a lack of prep. Because it's just unusual to concede so many goals so early from set pieces. And so there has to be something systemic in that. And I don't understand how in an organisation full of players as good as they are, with coaches in theory as good as they are, how that happens. It's a, it's a real, it's a real mind boggler for me, it but it's not, it's not good enough. And to me, um, we've got to switch on more. It feels like we've got players now who grow into the game and that's fine if you're a striker, but it's not fine if you're a defender, you should be able to do your job. And, you know, and it's second balls a lot and ah, it's such basic Sunday league stuff. That is a great term that you said, grow into the game, right? You took the word, like, I was about to say that because you cannot have that as a defense, right? You have to be alert at minute one, you know, and yeah. just go, right? I, I'm i kind of now want the defense to be more aggressive. Be Like, for example, I want to see Eric Garcia get in someone's face. Like, I want to see mm-hmm. him guard up as opposed to allowing the space and allowing the the attacker to make a move and try to take a shot on. I think it's more beneficial for our defense because having that mentality will keep them more alert. Because I think, again, with PK's performance last night, Alba's performance last night, it just seems like a daze. Like they're just kind of walking through. And like you said, they grow into the game. After we tied the game, it was a, a, a different game. But imagine if we don't tie as soon, right? Imagine yeah. that it's 20, 25 minutes and the other team has better strikers like Madrid, for example, you just can't play this dance, right? Now, we have a complicated, obviously, these matches are going to be at home against Kiev and Madrid, but man, it's Classico week as well. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that Barcelona were able to play over the weekend because Madrid weren't. Their first match is going to be champions after international break. 
what kind of concerns you about this week? What are you going to be looking for, especially against the Kiev? Do you see Kiev as more? I, I mean, the Kiev match is super important. We need to get three points, so we can't just have it as a as, as a scrimmage game. Yeah, yeah. My, my concerns with Kiev would just be injuries and tiredness. Um, I, I don't famous last words. I don't foresee any issues in that game. That should be, you know, Champions League. There's no there's no easy games necessarily, sure. but it shouldn't be one that we are concerned about. You know, if we, if we're concerned about that game, then that maybe that shows where we are uh, as a club, and I don't think we're quite. We're quite there yet so that, well, that one doesn't concern me i think that's about rotation there's certain players that i think i wouldn't i wouldn't give time to so for example uh contrary to what we just said i wouldn't play Antu fatty i certainly wouldn't start him let's put it that way um you know I, I, i'd like to think that the players who are, who think they should be at this club luke dion etc um, don't prove yourself we've had this we've had this chat before about other players you want to be here brathwaite we said it about the who did we have last year in our group? And we said, if you can't do it against this team, then you can't do it at Barcelona. Can't remember who it was. I think he went to yeah. score that game, actually. Eastern you know, European you... X. Go. Yeah, that was, that was it. That was it. I yeah. can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Ferenc Faros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you, can't, you can't do it against them. You, you shouldn't be here. So I think I would rest players. Now, my concern would be fitness. Uh, we should win that game. My, current, my, my concerns for the Classico, I don't have any. And that's not from a, a position of optimism. It's, a, it's a, from a position of I genuinely don't know what we're going to get. I don't know what Madrid we're going to get. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm not bothered because, of course, I am. It's the biggest game of the season, and it hurts if we lose against them. The only team I, I, I dislike losing to more is Espanyol. But I'm I'm almost in a let's wait and see mentality. I don't think it makes or breaks the season for either me or the club. Um, and I don't think we can accurately predict what we're going to get from both teams. So I'm almost I'm almost excited about it because it feels like one of the few classicals in a, in a, in a long time where it's like who knows what's going to happen here. If you were betting on it, I don't know where to start. So I'm I'm just yeah, just sit sit and watch it is my mentality. And we'll see what will be will be. It's it's a strange week. It is. What's your it take? Is. Well, I, d- I want to see Ansu start. I, I I just think Against he's ready. Kiev. Yeah, I think if he's ready, you ride him and ride the momentum. I think this is a moment. It feels like a moment in already in his early career that he could – you know, I'm not saying he'll have a hat trick against Madrid in his first Classico Messi mm-hmm. style, but if he scores, it's a moment of legend making. You know, it's like that type yeah. of thing. And I really think I feel more confident about Barcelona going into this Classico than I did three weeks ago, especially especially before yes. the international break. And like yeah. you said, yeah, like you said, the the Madrid team, we don't know what they're going to get. Are, are you going to get a, a Hazard who's going to be able to play? Is Venetia's going to come out and do something? Is your favorite striker Benzema going to have the Benzema game and finally that, in a classic? My... I mean, let's not go down this path again. We've, <laughs> we've already debunked this myth a million times. Um, that that would be my overriding concern: is that um, defensively, Benzema should have us on post. Like he is, he is the best out and out striker. Now I'm deliberately using the word out and out striker rather than attacker. He's the best out and out striker in the league by a distance. maybe maybe top two in Europe at the minute in my eyes um that's my biggest concern if we stop Benzema we stop Madrid would be my would be my guess um he's the one player that I look at on that on that team sheet and think Christ I don't know what we're gonna do here because (laughs) he's he's in great form he's a brilliant player and we've looked ropey and this is the thing is that as we talked about just a minute ago about the defense you know, if we are grabbing, if we are aggressive defensively, I think then we can kind of negate Benzema's comfortability to, you know, to find his hole in there. But I feel against PK and so forth that 
Benzema is not even worried about Barca's defense. He knows that he's going to be able to find holes and passing lanes like that, nobody's business. That's it. So you know, if I was if I was Benzema, it's almost like if you're right. So I'm I'm sorry that we 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 often turn this into an NFL show as well. But you know, if you're if you're Derrick Henry and you see a you see a rookie left tackle, you're like, well, that's where I'm running. And I feel like if I'm Benzema, I look at Eric Garcia and I think, well, okay, you're, you, I mean, Eric Garcia's a great player. I'm not saying he's not. You know, he's he's settling into the team now, but. I'd be looking at him thinking, well, let's see what you've got. I'm going to avoid PK. I'm going to go, I'm going to target Eric Garcia and I'm going to make him foul me. Go back to your point. Or I'm yeah. going to beat him. I'm going to beat him with my head. I'm going to, I'm going to be a bit more clever, a bit more savvy, um, a bit more wily than Garcia. And I think that's that's what I'd do if I was, if I was Benzema. And that's kind of where I think we, we need to win that battle. Um, I would play Garcia. I wouldn't be like, well, stick Longley in there. He's more experienced, or or whatever. I wouldn't try and be too clever with this. I would just say to Garcia, you need to go and you, need, you know, you need to go on your stripes in this game. You know, we need a big performance from you. And I think if we do that, then then life life will be significantly better than it could be. But um, yeah, ben, Benzema's the challenge. It's their best player against our worst area. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And two things about the matches coming up: they're both early start times. Mm. So the Champions League is 6.45, which is kind of a rarity for Barcelona. They're usually playing at 9. And the vaunted Saturday 4 o'clock time, as we always talk about, is siesta time in here, <laughs> here yeah. in Spain. So we'll see how they get up for that. Do you well, want to um, hear a really emotional story? Go on. So me, me, my beautiful wife, and my amazing son are going on our first little post-COVID trip over the weekend. We're going to Edinburgh, back to the, back to the motherland. Uh, okay. So I won't see the game. I'll be wandering around a castle or something, so I won't see it. Well, so, you'll you'll definitely hear, grass, please. You'll you'll definitely hear the feedback in our WhatsApp group. So there you go. Fine, fine, in that. Well, Craig, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll talk soon. Obviously, get your opinions in the coming weeks, and we'll kind of gauge our temperature again. I just feel like in the last two episodes we've done, we've been cold, 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 and now we're kind of really looking optimistic, which is great. It's trending. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely trending up. Especially, it's all it's all on soon. I mean, it's, that's really what it really comes down to. So thanks for listening. Until next time, Forza Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.